Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. Declan Rice has said recently that he would like to win something, win trophies, win Champions League football. Today at a little place called Vicarage Road up in Hertfordshire, we showed that we don't need Declan Rice. And if Charlie Big Potatoes wants to fuck off to a Chelsea or to a Manchester United or a Real Madrid, he can just fucking do that. So says Jim Grant. I disagree. I like Declan Rice, and I think we should keep him and, until we see the best from him. Um, mine is a reasonable point of view. We'll get into that later in the podcast. Joining me on this week's Top Hammer Time are, as always, Jim Grant. Good evening. Good Hello, evening. Jim. You all right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Also with us, and it's great, as always, to have him back. He's one of the finest legal minds this century and last century. <laughs> and, and the century before that. <clears throat> it is Simon Pentel, QC. How lovely to see you both and the belated compliments of the season. Great to Although, see you, Simon. With uh, events at Vicarage Road today, um, thankfully glad tidings with some comfort and some joy. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, now, uh, Simon, you and I went to the uh, Spurs game uh, and we also went to the Southampton game. Jim, you are protecting a vulnerable uh, right I am. And, and, and didn't go yes. to those games. No. And, uh, um, so we're sort of, so, so we've done, we did this podcast a week ago and we've already got three games to talk about, such as the fixture congestion yeah. that uh, we have at the moment. Um, so I suppose we could just do them in, uh, do them in order. Um, I thought the Spurs game was a bloody good game of football. My God, it was good, I thought. It, it, it was I a, thought it if was... I was a neutral watching this, I thought it's a brilliant, this is a great game. Yeah, because obviously I, I, I watched it on the, on the box um, as opposed to um, live. Um, uh, yeah, I think it was. It was, it, was a decent, it was a decent game. I felt... Um, reading sort of various comments and whatever, and, and I think it's one of those things where it is always different when you're in the ground to watching it in a slightly more kind of objective, detached way, so to speak, on the same. I felt Spurs had us where they wanted us for most of that game, to be honest, and um, uh, I, I, we didn't offer enough in front of goal, really. And I, Same old, same old, really, to be honest. But there was some reasonable football. We played some reasonable football. Oh, I, thought I, we I, I some wasn't overwhelmed football. by our performance, to be honest. I thought we played some good football. Yeah, I mean, we were... I know what you mean. We, you know, in the ground, it felt like we, you know, they were fighting a rear guard action in the second half. We were absolutely all <laughs> over them. And when we ended up with close to 60% possession, which must have meant in the second half, we must have had close to 75 or something. Because, you know, how it ended up at 58... Um, you know, we definitely had more possession in the second half than the first half by some considerable margin. So we, I mean, we just had the ball the whole time in the second half. Well, it's um, one of those great ironies, I think, that um, under Conte, Tottenham have become what we were at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And we have become what they were last season. Yeah. And that is much more possession-based. Um, 
I don't know. I agree with you, Jim. Always it's, it's different when you're in the stadium to when you're watching it on TV and, you, and you, you're more absorbed and more carried away by the passion of it. But I have to say, I thought in the second half, um, and I'm just jumping on the throwaway line of yours, um, purely provocatively, I'm sure, not really, um, Phil, at the outset, I thought Declan Rice in the second half was absolutely sodding immense. He was, yeah. Um, yeah he great. took that game by the scruff of the neck and he just dominated between each penalty box. I mean, I, I actually thought it was a sensational performance of his in the second 45. Yeah. And um, it's a recurring theme, however, that for all that we did and all the effort, I had the feeling in the stadium that we could actually have played an extra half an hour yeah. and we still wouldn't have scored. No, and, and that was no. a, a real disappointment. We did everything, but um, it was it was good possession as opposed just to passing it around for the sake of it. Yeah. And it was threatening. And Rice, as I said, I, I just thought was preeminent. Um, totally fantastic. But we didn't have that cutting edge. And the reason we didn't have that cutting edge, stating the bleed and obvious, is, of course, because Mikel Antonio wasn't on the pitch. Mm. And it's not that Mikel is a goal machine, because he isn't. But what it means is, and we saw it today by contrast, and again, um, when he came on in the second half on, um, I lose track of which day it is, on, yeah. on Sunday. Yeah, it was Sunday yeah. afternoon. Um, but when he's not playing, and Bowen plays in his role, it means that we are massively losing out on what Bowen brings down the flanks. Yeah, yeah. And and that's the real weakness in it. And it's not to say what Mikel actually provides um, in terms of finishing, but he allows Bowen to be much more um, varied in his game and have much greater manoeuvrability and stretch a defence and come cut inside and make those opportunities precisely as he did today. And that's why I thought we could have played for another half yeah. an hour. And for all the possession and all the dominance, I just had this terrible sinking feeling as soon as they scored their second goal, um, which was ridiculously quickly after we scored out. Yeah, yeah. That this is really going to be an uphill struggle. And thus it proved to be. One thing I noticed was uh, in the first half, I couldn't see our shape at all. The uh, the sort of diagram of the team on the BBC website showed um, Bowen up front with Vlasic and Lanzini uh, behind him. And that didn't seem to be happening at all. It looked like we had a kind of five-man midfield uh, into which quite often Bowen was dropping. Um, Lanzini was at the same depth as Suchek and Rice was, which is mucking into the midfield. What happened in the set, what seemed to happen in the second half was I thought I could very clearly see Bowen and Vlasic up front with Lanzini as a number 10 and mm. Suchek and Rice behind him, which is sort of what it, you know, I, I, you know, this is quite often the, the, you know, the moment where people sort of blame the manager for, for a lack of shape in the team or shortcomings. Perhaps it was Spurs were not letting us play in that shape and that we had to sort of fill the midfield up to deal with their midfield threat. But part of us being better in the second half was there seemed to be a more definable shape, at least to me. Well, I think that's right. But, um, Jumping onto a, a topic which I, I think is going to haunt us for the next few months. And it was evident, I thought, last Wednesday night. And it was evident on Sunday. And to some extent, ev evident today, but not to the same extent. And it was simply this, that with a massively changed back four, mm. they were playing much deeper. And the reason they're playing much deeper is because... They don't have pace and they don't have Zuma's extraordinary reading of the game and ability um, to make a last-ditch tackle. So because yeah. of that, they naturally fall back. And when they fall back, it pulls Rice further back, closer to them, yeah. so that when we do get the ball in open space, there's, there is no one available. Yeah. And I think a really good example of that was when we were on to it, when we deal with the game, was the Southampton first goal on um, Sunday afternoon. But that's what happened. And I think in the second half, um, they actually steeled themselves and the back four um, pushed forward a bit, which meant that we could be more, which meant that Rice then automatically went further forward, as did, yeah. 
as did Salchek, and that brought Lanzini and Vlasic much more into the game. I think yeah. really that's essentially all that happened. Yeah. Obviously, we we really did give it a go. And um, I must say, I thought the away support was fucking fantastic. Really as good, it always yeah. is at, at the lane. Um, but it really was great and, and 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 gave a good account of ourselves in the end. But that that problem with the back four, having neither the pace um, to deal with attacks or the real aerial ability that you've we've lost because of the absence of of Bonner to the rest of the for the end end of the season. If I can get my words out, not very impressive. Mm. After you will build up and um, Zuma, of course, because he is so dominant. Um, creates this this um, impasse, which brings Rice back closer to them to protect them, and and thus the problems um, yeah. continue, unfortunately, and that has to be redressed really quickly. Otherwise, we're going to be uh, treading I, I, water. I, I totally agree, and I think that I think the second half, um, the second half, yes, we did play better in the second half. We did um, uh, squeeze space. We 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 closed them down. Uh, but uh, you're right about Rice. I mean, Rice, this is happening in some ways, you know, it's a testament to him, but it's a slightly worrying factor that he that he has to take games by the scruff of the neck in the second half so often. You can think of Burnley as another example yeah. where, oh, yeah. you know, he just, he it was like, and I, it bothers me a little that the others need to, need to do their, you know, it, it makes us look too much like a one-man team and i don't think they are yeah uh, i mean and, and yeah, you know and and for all the fact that he does take games by the scruff of the neck um he doesn't score he doesn't create goals no uh, no there was a there was a moment in the first half against spurs where lanzini picked up the ball sort of on the touchline and waited for rice to come and collect it off him and yeah. start to move and you go you're the playmaker yeah somehow, you know i don't i don't know where that mindset comes from i don't think that's necessarily you know uh, i mean when you know when decanio was in the team um give the ball to Paolo was clearly a kind yeah. of universally felt idea. I mean, knowing Harry Redknapp, he probably did say... He, he did say that. Ball, yeah, yeah. I know he ball. said that. Yeah. I know that was the instruction. Yeah. I've, as I've often joked before, um, I think the, the one common thread between John Lyle, Harry Redknapp, and for one season, Slavon Bilic, was they all follow the same mantra. For John Lyle, bless him, it was to the others, get the ball and give it a Trevor. Yeah. Um, for Harry, it was get the ball and give it to Paolo. And for Slavon yeah. for one season, it was get the ball and give it to Pius. Yeah. I think what's happening here is, and I know we're, we're going to discuss it, um, Declan Rice has developed quite extraordinarily in the last 12 months an aura about him, given he's only 22 for crying out loud. Yeah. But everybody else, and Lanzini is a seasoned Premier League footballer, an international in his own right, and a, and a really able foot player. Um, their their own view is I'm just going to let De- take it off me. Yeah, um, they're yeah. almost in awe of their own captain. Yeah, um, and that's and he's becoming more and more like you know Brian Robson, um, mm-hmm. the Man United Brian Robson, as opposed to the West Ham Brian Robson. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, he's becoming more and more like that, and I think that the end product um, to which you alluded before, Jim, I think that's that's going to come. To me, inevitably, because it's forgotten he's only 22. Yeah, and yeah. I just think that in, in a year's time, he's going to be off the scale good. I'm a mega fan of Declan Rice. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. although we're going to discuss it, picking up on what you jokingly said at the outset, Phil, I'd sell the whole fucking team and keep him. And I, I think <laughs> yeah. he is actually a one-man player. Because I yeah, think well, he's uh, that... Uh, in uh, that uh, role, uh, I think he's fantastic. I don't disagree. I, 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 think, he's, I think he's already properly world-class in other words he would not be far off a world 11 at the moment in his position but are we watching him almost visibly outgrow us that that worries me a little bit um yeah and uh i i I think i think it'll be if we don't win something this season if we don't get you know top four uh that looks increasingly unlikely um I think we'll we'll have the devil's own job holding on to him. I think I, yeah, I've yeah. got to say I I have the feeling watching him almost, and maybe it's my fear overtaking my common sense, and I'm seeing things that may or may not be true. But I just get the impression that with every passing game, it's as if 
this is his final farewell. And he's playing like that because I, 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 I don't think it's the devil's own job. I just don't think for a million years he's going to be um, at West Ham come season 22-23. And that's going to, of itself, create huge problems. I've said it repeatedly on, the, on this podcast that the real, the real task facing David Moyes and the board is to create a team strong enough around him that will give him the desire to remain mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I, I think it's a terrible um, I don't, weakness of modern-day footballers that they have this ridiculous desire. I've got to win something. I have to play in, yeah. in, in, in the Champions League. When if you go back, I know it's a world apart to yesteryear. You know, Bobby Moore managed to survive a lifetime at West Ham, winning one FA Cup and one European Cup Winners' Cup. Okay, play, yeah. won the World Cup for England. Jeff Hurst... Yeah. Um, did likewise, and and you know Trevor Brooking played his whole career um, at West Ham. He's a genuine world class footballer, as we well know, and mm-hmm. stayed for three years out of the top flight, never wanting to leave. But for Deck, it's different because he's not a West Ham boy, and I just don't see how um, we can prevent him going to Chelsea because I think that will be his place of destination. I think he's going to replace um, N'Golo Kante and he can link up with um, Mount and he'll be back in Cobham where I believe his heart lies. And I think that is unfortunately the insuperable difficulty. Yeah, Um, I mean... And that is why this window, um, we really do need to do something because I think it's right, Jim, that we're unlikely to make the top four. We could, but I think it's unlikely. And ironically, in respect of a competition that I have decried all the time and never wanted us to be in, um, it might actually prevent present rather our best hope of of securing Champions League football next season, however difficult a task it will be for us to win that infernal competition. Mm, That might ironically be our best opportunity. Before we leave that Spurs game, one thing I, I did uh, feel was that our substitutions worked very well. I thought the substitutions yeah. didn't mm. didn't weaken us at all, yeah. and in fact, sort of consolidated and genuinely worked as sort of fresh legs. I think it was um, uh, it was uh, Fornals and Ben Rama for Vlasic and Vlasic Lanzini. definitely. Mm. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and those changes. Uh, worked exactly as substitutions should. They they yeah. they, they certainly didn't weaken us. Weaken us, which sometimes you know. We I think I said this last last week. Sometimes people are sort of quit, critical at uh, Moyes' slowness sometimes to make substitutions. But you know he's faced with weakening the team essentially, bringing on mm. a, you know a guy to replace someone who is not as good a footballer, and that's mm. part of his reluctance. This it worked extremely well. Um, it's good to have Lanzini back as a genuine first-team contender, isn't it? I mean, I mean I, he, he has definitely... Coming on to Saturday, I mean, mm. he barely a pass went astray from Lanzini. Agreed. Whereas Ben, ben Rama will hit it against the legs of the man in front of him. It feels like six times out of ten. It's just... I mean, he scored I a lovely ben goal. Rama. He scored yes, a lovely goal on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. And it was very well made and beautifully taken. Um, he just swooped on it and, and just banged yeah, it where absolutely. it needed to go. But lovely volley. Uh, I've long thought this uh, with Lanzini that technically he's a far better player yes. than Fornals. He's a far better player than Ben Rama. Um, his problem, of course, has been it's taken him so long to overcome that dreadful injury of now yeah. about four seasons ago. Yeah, when he was on Argentinian duty, and really? I think. Um, for the first time in the last few months, we're actually starting to see the real Manuel Lanzini yeah. return. And yeah. there's been a genuine resurgence on his yeah. part. Yeah. And um, it's a very welcome thing because he's got genuine talent. And what he does have is, I think, unlike um, Fornals, and I know you're a big fan of his, um, Jim, and I'm not decrying him, but unlike Fornals and unlike Ben Rama, um, Lanzini has the ability to actually change a game. Yeah. You know, to, to score a goal that's, that he should never score. I mean, obviously, the, the equaliser in the three-all draw at Spurs last season is a case in point. 
where you can't imagine anyone else scoring that goal. But he does have that ability to go on an incredible dribble or beat two or three in no, mm. with no space at all and make something happen. When well, his consolation goal against, was that City? Against City? Yeah. Oh, it was yeah. a fantastic uh, goal. Yeah. Great goal. It was brilliant um, goal. I think the thing about him is, is, is you know, the team uh, keeps possession better with him in it and, and keeps possession more purposefully. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. It's not just sideways stuff. It's looking at angles. It's making himself available. It's one-touch stuff. Um, he makes other players tick, you know, and, and sometimes players that do that don't always get the credit they deserve. And I, I feel Fornals is similar in that sense, that he makes players around him, you know, look look better. Uh, although I have to say, Fornals has, has uh, looked jaded to me and has done for a, for a good few games now. Yeah. Um, and now he's tested positive, hasn't he? So I don't know how long he'll be out for. Well, so it'll probably be, what, seven days? days? Seven days. I think it's seven, yeah. isn't it? Seven now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, Saturday's game was, um, you know, was very frustrating, wasn't it? We we were looking to um, bounce back after uh, the defeat against um, uh, Spurs in the Cup. And what was the game before that? The Burnley? Mm. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, no. Um, oh was my it God! Chelsea. We were that was Arsenal, of, wasn't it? Oh, oh, Arsenal. Yes, you're right. Arsenal. So we were looking to, you know, for a reaction after those games. We, um, I mean, we're becoming a team that plays well in the second half quite a lot now, aren't we? And it's sort of there've been a couple of games where we've come out of the blocks and really attacked a team, but they're now in the minority. Those games we're doing a lot of being better in the second half. I think the Burnley, we were better oh. in the second half, oh. you know, um, the Spurs, uh, the Arsenal game. I think we were better in the second half. Yeah. But what's, what's really troubling. And, and um, today's result is a classic of papering over cracks. Yeah. Um, I have to say, although we'll talk about it in a moment, chronologically, um, Watford were just rubbish. I mean, there's no nicer way of putting it. They really were dreadful. But this habit now of conceding first in just about every game has got to stop. We can't keep coming from behind. I know it was a marvellous thing that we did at home to Chelsea, coming back from behind twice. But, you know, football's not meant to be to show how great your powers of recovery are. It's all about getting ahead and, 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 and managing the game from there. And it's a remarkable statistic that we have one clean sheet in our last 10 yeah, Premier League a, outings. And that's just not it's good a real, it's, no. a real, it's a real problem. Um, and I was going to say, you know, m- m- much the same. You, you, you can't, it's not sustainable over a long period of time uh, to concede one or two goals, to have to score two and three goals to win mm. a game. At the yeah. moment, we have to score minimum of two goals to win every game we play, and yep. we are quite free scoring. We have, we you know, we 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 we're creating opportunities. Near a game goes by that we don't at least create a few decent chances, and and at times we stick them in. But the, you, you're long term, the stats are going to work against you ultimately if you have to always score two or three goals uh, to win a game. Um, yeah. And that's you know Southampton. There it is. It bit bit us on the arse, didn't it? Um, well, because we didn't was... actually, in terms of general play, deserve to lose that game. But um, but we were defensively wretched, and we were defensively wretched today. We uh, the, the central defend defenders Dreadful. have had two utter nightmares in a row. Um, I don't know what's happened to Deal because I thought he's been playing quite well this season when yeah. he's uh, come into the team. But he has had a pair of shockers. Today, he was dreddful. Well, I'm sorry, but I don't Absolutely think Daw- dreadful. Dawson covered himself in much glory. No, but, I agree. Uh, I mean, Sunday, Sunday was a genuine shit show. And there's no other way or nicer way, forgive no. me, um, that I can put it. It was a genuine shit show. And the first goal, and we're talking about... This, all of these matters actually coalesce. Um, the first goal, if you, you watch it, the, the reason that goal is conceded is because Diop and um, Dawson dropped so deep that, that Deck had to come back toward them, vacate the space he would normally have held, which meant that whoever the Southampton player was, it's Bojan who scored it, or, whoever, or whomever, 
had an acre of space into which to run to fire off the shot. Um, and that goal should never have been conceded, but it's all of these things coming together that is that are creating these problems. And um, I had this terrible sinking feeling all of Sunday afternoon, even though we got, got it back at one all and we got it back to two all. When they got the third, which again, you know, for us in, in past months to concede a bloody goal like that, when we've got yeah. tall men and some guy just gets in the middle of them all and heads yeah. it in the far corner. I mean, what the hell is that all about? And, and uh, you know, not being hard to beat was a cornerstone mm. of what made us the team we were last year. The, the, the David Moyes sixth place finishing West Ham was kind of built on, uh, you know, not not being scored against very often. But you know? I think that that all proves that which we all knew anyway, of how vital Og Bonner has been to yep. our team um, yeah. in the last six seasons, in truth. Yeah. Um, he is yeah. the linchpin of that back four. Um, and clearly, um, without, you know, look, with Masuaku on, on the left of a four, which we all know is is the shortest suicide note in yeah. Premier League history. Yeah, yeah. Um, everything comes down that side, you, you're in big, big trouble. Um, he can do nothing in a back four. I mean, he's just next to useless. You might as well play... Um, yeah. the, when I, when, when I, at the Spurs game, I, I went with uh, Kevin Jay and his brother Lee Jay, and I turned to uh, Kevin Jay and said, I, I now feel nervous if he picks the ball up in our half. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah. even close yeah. to that goal. I mean, if you, you know, um, modern football is sort of predicated on playing out from defence, but you go, oh, just don't roll it out to him. Uh, Lukash, because it, it, it will just, for some reason, even though he's got talent, he will balls it up. He'll just try I, I, a pass that won't work near his goal line. I know? don't understand how he is in any way nominally a left back because he looks like he's, every time he plays there, he looks like he's never played there before. Yeah. Well, he's, a know, decent, today, he's a decent left wing back, sort of left, yeah. left, left midfielder, but he's yeah. not. A fullback. Now, I mean, we've had the I, same I discussion I, over the last you know. five years, guys. Yeah. 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 I mean, he can only play on the left side of a five. He cannot yeah. play on the left side of a four. No, I mean, no. it is so. And I know I'm pretty much sure that David David Moyes knows this. And the yeah. sadness was, of course, that um, um, Ben Johnson, um, albeit he is not a left back, and you saw the difference today. Yeah, it was and good. he isn't a left back, and I never lose sight of that fact. He's a right back who plays in a left back, but a right back who plays in a left back is so infinitely better than someone who's left footed, who supposedly, yeah. or some people think is a left back, is the greatest indictment of the lot. However, he today, and that's Masuaku, made his 100th Premier League um, appearance for West Ham. And how the hell has that arisen? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's an incredible statistic for someone who has been so lamentable um, in a defensive role and where the majority of his games have been. And I don't yeah. know how he's got away with it, but no. like, the old, like the old song goes, you don't quite know what you got till it's gone. Yeah. Ogbonna and, of course, Kreza prove that yeah, um, beyond a shadow of doubt. Um, we'll continue with this after this message. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. 
Welcome back. Um, our two goals were good against Southampton, you know, looking on the sort of positive side. Uh, I thought Lanzini's performance, yeah. you know, in terms of just keeping the ball. And yeah. I mean, there's a time when he was, uh, he missed, he miscontrolled the ball and was very closely attended by two Southampton players and sort of barged his way back into possession. Yeah. You know, he, he made a very rare mistake and got himself out of that mistake. And we used to say that about him. People, you know, in a weird sort of lazy armchair punditry in the same way that they used to say about Robert Green, he's a good shot stopper, but he's no good under a high ball. He was good under a high ball. Mm-hmm. And they used to say about Lanzini, he's too small. He gets bullied off the ball a lot. I never saw him bullied off the ball. No, well, he, he, he muscled somebody go off the ball today for our seconds, just kind of left him, left him on the floor, didn't he? He did. Um, you know, um, and, he, and it was yeah, a lovely, agree, and a lovely pass down the line as well to free up Antonio. Uh, yeah. Often those players with a low centre of gravity, they actually don't get muscled off the ball much. Joe Cole never really got muscled off the ball much, you know, occasionally. But, you know, he was had quick enough feet to come up with the ball when closely attended by, you know, John Terry yeah. or a large which makes, Martin which makes, Yeah, which makes Diop being regularly muscled off the ball all the more baffling yeah. to me. Um, um yeah, I agree about I agree about Lanzini. I, I mean, do a word a word for Bowen. I mean, because because Bowen yeah. has had a fantastic. He's he's you know you're, you're right about Declan, but but I would say he's our next most improved player, and and is on another level this season. Today, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Well, yeah. he what he does, um, yeah. and it, he has clearly after preseason um, moved himself physically into another gear. And he has this ability to pressure um, the opposition, make yeah. runs, and at, not just for the sake of it, but actually get hold of the ball in places where you think nothing can happen and then actually make something happen yeah. and be positive with it. I mean, we scored four goals today and he was um, integral in three of them. Yes. Um, the first, obviously, with the, with the pass through for Salchek. In the third, our, sec, our third goal, he got bundled over for the pen. And the fourth goal, well, he got down to the byline and sent it back for Vlasic, basically, to roll it into an empty yeah. net. Um, so you can add, and you can add the assist of Embrama on uh, against Southampton. So that's like... Yeah, and again, and what a wonderful cutback. What yeah. a wonderful cutback. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah. he's added, I think, and he really has um, improved um, by his own hard work over the summer, he's added even greater physicality and stamina, yeah. but to that, an ability to see the right pass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's not just getting to the line or cutting in and, you know, hoping, hitting and hoping. He's actually laying it into the path of somebody, usually on yeah. the floor, yeah. for yeah. Them, them to have a good shot on target. I, I mean, and I think, I think there's just a, just a, a growth in, in confidence. I think he's, I think he's finally realised he's a Premier League quality player, and and is revelling in it. And and uh, yeah, those, those those I mean the weight of those passes and the finding people. I mean we've been bemoaning, you know, uh, so far all season the fact that so often the final ball, the final mm. moment, that you know the final pass is 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 and the finish is is been a problem for us. Um, but those goals that we've scored in those last two games have been exactly the kind of goal that you you know you, you want us to be scoring and then get, getting behind defences somebody getting Ben Rama in this case getting free in the box or Suchek on, on, on a run and and the, and just as the player looking up and waiting the correct ball you know rather than just to kind of smack it across and, and hope or just try and play it through as you know a spaghetti of defenders legs you know it's actually properly creating a chance and putting it away but not only that, look at the goal he scored um, at Spurs last week. Um, had Harry Kane scored that goal, I'm sure all the commentators would have been yeah. absolutely jumping up and down and saying, well, he's, he's rekindled himself. He's, he's still the best centre forward in the world. It was, it was a joy. It was a thing of beauty. Yeah, absolutely. It was crisp. It was incisive. Mm. I mean, Vlasic, of course, mishit it and rifled him at it. A yeah. instant control, 
turn around his man and stuck yeah. it right in the far corner. I mean, yeah. you could have had Loris and, and a brick wall wouldn't have stopped it. No, it was, a, it was absolutely terrific. And, and, and time and again now, that, that the ball, however hard it's whacks at him, sticks to him, doesn't he? He brings it mm. down out of the air. Yeah, he's a good um, yeah. You know, he's close. His first touch has improved immeasurably. Yeah. And, yeah. and he rarely now, you know, wastes possession. You know, I, I, I really, you know, think well, he's, he's, he's having a fantastic season. He's almost he with, with Antonio being, a, you know, a little in the last few games. Uh, hopefully, this will herald a. Uh, uh, an improvement, the goal on uh, Sunday against um, uh, Southampton will herald, you know, a, a bit of a resurgence. But um, he was almost doing what Antonio was, has been sort of slightly failing to do, which is um, kind of rough up defenders. You well, know, I thought, not, I, thought not Antonio, I, I thought Antonio was guilty, actually, of a, of a poor miss today. I think he really should have scored, had a great opportunity, um, and he drove it at the keeper when perhaps... He probably been, should have chipped it over him. Yeah, yeah. or, or mm. gone high. But um, I, I've got a real soft spot for Mikel. Oh, yeah. I yeah, always yeah. have. I think, he's, I think he's just a great guy. But I did love, and full credit, I don't know if either of you saw it, um, the interview with David Moyes pre-match today when it was put to him that Mikel Antonio had complained, as he did after the game against Southampton, that, that he and West Ham were suffering from some mental fatigue. Yeah. And um, oh, yeah. dear old Moisey shrugged <laughs> that off to say, to, in terms of, I don't know what you're talking about. And we're all in it together. We've all got to play a lot of matches. And yeah. I've never heard of such a thing. And let's get going, please. And I thought, mm-hmm. full praise to David Moyes, who, of course, today, um, this was his 237th Premier League win. And yeah. only, although a long way ahead of him, but only... Uh-huh. Um, ahead of him are Wenger and Sarah. Yeah, that's right. He's number three it's, now. It's, it's a great thing for him, but it I is. just love the way that he he kicked that straight into touch. Yeah. 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 To say, I'm not listening yeah. to any of this nonsense. Um, while we're on Antonio, I think he was, he, it was another occasion uh, where he was getting so frustrated at the fact that essentially he's playing, he, he's being wrestled to the ground mm. time and time mm. and time again and getting no protection or no no change from referee at all he, he got so frustrated in the away game at Southampton that he ended up getting sent off yep yeah it. but he'd been bloody rugby tackled all afternoon well and that bozo I, I forgot what his name is in Watford was just couldn't handle him today no. and so he was fouling him every time the ball came to Antonio and and uh, the referee he got absolutely nothing from it at all he even came and shoved him in the back into a Watford player, and, and, the and, and Antonio got Watford, didn't he? Gave a or free, free kick? kick. On that. Yeah, um, and I, think... I, I thought the referee was dreadful today. And, well, he was. Um, uh, I thought the VAR decision was a joke. It, I agree uh, with you. Uh, Moyes des- described it as ludicrous, and I think it's if you're going to go back, uh, and nothing. 50-50, Did he make enough contact for it? He made an absolute meal of it and rolled all over the place. Ah, you know, the referee's not given that as a free kick. It's not a clear and obvious error. It should never have been in the thinking of the VAR. Like, uh, like, it the was two disgraceful. like the two of you, um, I grew up um, learning my football from the 70s and things, of course, were very different. But like the two of you, I hold on to the same values that um, players had in those days. And I think Mikel Antonio's problem in dealing with, with more and more um, centre-backs or op- opponents who wrestle with him is that he actually doesn't go down. And he'd probably be better off if he did, clutching his face as the, is, now, is now the current um, fashion. Yeah. Whatever happens, just clutch your face and throw yourself down as if you've been yeah. shot by a sniper. But he but tried that he's today. He's too honest. I mean, he tried that today and the referee waved that one away as well. Because he's... he's because... He's so renowned for his sheer bulk and power. No one yeah. can ever believe that Mikel Antonio could ever be ragdolled because he does it to everybody else. So yeah. I think, in a way, he's a victim on one level yeah. of his own oh, success and another of his own honesty. Yeah. But yeah. he's got to have to learn to cope with that and deal with it. And um, he's been growing as a player for the last three years um, exponentially. And although he's 31... I think because he came to the game so late, 
that he will actually have more years left in, in the second half of his career than most others do who are the same age as he. And I think he will get better and better and learn how to manage those situations better yeah. Yeah. Um, with the passing of time. It yeah, and seem- he's going to have to because, you know, he's, he's going to lose that edge of pace that he's still got. But, um, yeah, he's going to have to become cannier, definitely. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Lukaku, like- Lukaku goes over. I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty similar because of, mm. because of their size and power. But you watch Lukaku, he will throw himself. It's like watching Tom fucking Daly, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, with someone just clips him and he'll go over. It's man mountain, go over. Um, whereas Mikhail invariably, even if he does get impeded, will try and stay on his feet make the run, get hold of the ball. Yeah. When everyone else now, it seems to me, and I hate all of this, and I hate it when West Ham players do it. I'm no different. I mean, you were talking before about Diop. I thought Diop, who got, um, someone grabbed him um, late in the game by the scruff of the neck, and he went down holding his face. And I just thought, oh, for God's sake, get up. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. We, don't, we don't need to do this rubbish. I know everyone else does it. And unfortunately, just because everyone else does it, doesn't mean that that's what we should do. And even if we don't get decisions because players don't go down when others do and all that professionalism, it's not professionalism as far as I'm concerned. It's bloody cheating. Yeah, it's cheating. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's extraordinary, isn't it? And I think VAR seems to have gone backwards again after after there was a sort of um, reassessment after its first season of, you know, I mean, the pundits were openly sort of rebelling against it, saying it's, you know, it's just destroying the game, the decision-making is stupid, letting more things go, the, the sort of lines, you know, the computerised lines for offside decisions were starting to kind of go in favour of the attacking team and, and, and certain things were improved. But now it seems to be the people at Stockley Park don't know what they're looking at anymore. Or well, I'm not what they're sure looking it's just for. them. I mean, today, I, I have to say this, um, when the um, supposed foul by um, Salchek in the that started the move that led to the uh, goal that was disallowed. As soon as I saw the slow-mo and as soon as it got referred to the ref, I knew there was he was going to disallow that goal. And what I can't grapple with was, and I support the technology um, insofar as it is meant to be there for a clear and obvious error. Now, what has happened to that criteria? Because that was not a clear and obvious error. That was, if it were, and I don't think it was, but if it were an error, it certainly wasn't clear and it was certainly not obvious. Mm. And that's not the justification for a review to the referee. That is looking at the minutiae. Um, But it it also happened it happened on the halfway line. Uh, for a goal so that was scored that go in, the, wrong. in the six yard area. I mean, it, it's, uh, I, 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 I feel that it, there's no consist. there isn't clarity and consistency. That's, that's part of the problem. And, and there is this gathering and I suspect the evidence will start to stack up in the way that it always did over penalties and things in the past. There is this growing sense that it favours the big teams. And I, I, you know, you just sensed if that had been a goal scored by Liverpool or Manchester City or by Chelsea, they wouldn't have gone back and looked at, at that. It just, I feel it, it, it's all so hugger-mugger. There is so la- such a lack of clearly stated, these are the circumstances in which we are going to consult VAR and this is how it's going to, going to happen. How other sports manage to get it right but football, get, you know, managed to get the you know, right. I mean, I, I'm in favour of having having a video referee. I think you have to, in a sense, because the technology is simply there. But they are absolutely cretinous in the way they apply it and the way they use it and the protocols that they've yeah. got. They have They're so arrogant that they don't learn from other from other sports who can who've been doing it for a lot longer and do it much much more effectively. I think the difference is. Jim, with football and technology, that to a large extent, not exclusively, but to some extent, and if you you can separate football from, say, American gridiron, where technology um, is hugely in in, in a in a fast moving team sport. I don't want to, so I take cricket out of it, or or rugby. 
inherent in both of those sports is a, an absence of cheating and feigning. Yeah. And yeah. that's a big, that's a real big problem. You know, and, and players now are so adept at um, tripping over or leave, leaving their leg out to, to yeah. be tripped over. Yeah. Um, and really skilled at it that it makes it very difficult for the referee or any observer to unpick, you know, did someone deliberately go over a leg? And then you have the pundits um, come on and say, well, if he did, he's entitled to. That's being a professional because things yes, don't right. get given right. when they yeah, should. I mean, so what annoying. a nonsense argument is that? Well, that's yeah, catastrophically yeah. Um, contradictory. I mean, just, um, as an arm, just as an armchair sort of viewer... I mean, I think there's, there are lots of circumstances in which you recognise a player buying a free kick or buying a penalty. The, their body shape when they go over, mm. you know, all that. You know, I remember feeling, you know, 95% instead of 100% euphoric about our 4-1 win against Holland in Euro 96 because Paul Ince buys that first penalty. He, does. he just... He picks the ball up and he knows exactly what to do. He runs very fast at a defender with the football. And yep. the defender just kind of can't get out of the way and he goes over. And, I mean, that's really early on in that, you know, we're only four years into the Premier League then. And, and so diving's all very new at that point. And I thought, oh, I see what he's done. You know, and this is in 1996. And you, you, you know, Salah in our game against Liverpool, when they were complaining about our first goal because Antonio had stood too close to Alisson or something. And then they win a free kick or a penalty with a dive from Mohamed Salah. Kick. It's just a fucking dive. There is contact. And that's, you know, when they're looking for whatever it is they think they're looking for at Stockley Park, they often conclude, aha, that there was contact. Yes, of course there was contact, but not enough to make a fucking adult yeah. male well, fall over. Especially as you, as you can see the contact made, and then you can see Salah yeah, yeah. throw himself to the ground so it's like it's, after the contact has yeah. happened. So they don't know what they're looking for. I mean, when it's, you know, often when it's slowed down and magnified, you actually can see the dive, but they're not looking yes. for the dive, they're looking for the contact. They're yeah. looking for the wrong don't thing. Think. I felt that after the, the I mean, I, I think we could all agree that the refereeing in the European Championships was, was generally good. Very good, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, the games were allowed to flow. There was an awful lot of referees just waving people up who were rolling over. Yeah, with that. yeah, yeah. They yeah. said, get up. I've, I've not seen it. And I felt that we started this season with Premier League referees having sort of watched that and kind yes, of learned yes. from it. Yes. And there were some good examples of, ref of refereeing performances in Premier League games where the game was allowed to flow. Whether, like, very good example was like Ronaldo just expected to get those penalties in the game yeah. uh, uh, up at um, the, uh, the, you know, the death bowl uh, when, um, you know, he went over twice, didn't he? And it was right mm -hmm. in front of us, Phil, and we could see he died. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he just, he's used to getting those, isn't he? Like, yeah. You know, that, that, that's, that, he obviously practice, they, they, Salah well, must do practice it. it. They must practice, they practice it. it. Yeah. And make it look very convincing. And yeah. that's what, of course, makes it so um, laughable. Um, if you want to go back to the Liverpool game, when Klopp got so irate about Mikel Antonio actually deciding to give Alison Becker a hard time when that yeah. corner got swung in. What is Mikel Antonio meant to do? Yeah. Forgive me, this is, this is, these are men playing a men's game yeah. it's and a their physicality score. is yeah. absolutely an imperative. And he, got, a, he threw all his toys out of the bloody yeah. pram. Yeah. It's a yeah. contact sport by definition in which therefore contact is permissible within the laws of the game. You know, it's well, only you know. foul contact that is mm. that is illegal. You know, well, Sue and, Fowles, you know, Sue Fowles two yellows against Arsenal were like, you oh, know, neither of oh, those was a yellow card. The first in particular was an absolute nothing. Yeah, I mean that was that was a shocker. But so, this is the world in which we live. Yeah, While yeah. we're on the subject, what did you think of the Dawson penalty against Southampton? Whoa. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think it was. <laughs> well, as a West Ham fan, I thought it was bloody outrageous. Had it been reversed, I would have been screaming for it. And I think, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. that's a big part of the problem, isn't it? Yeah. But um, I, I've got to say, I've always 
had this concern about Craig Dawson. And, um, yeah, he had that little purple patch when he first started to play. But I, for me, um, the holes are beginning um, to be seen and becoming apparent. And today, um, for their goal, I thought his defending was just shocking. Um, he, he, he was, well, yeah, they're he, both he fell forward. back when the, what he, he was yes. too far away when the ball came across and then he dived in when he didn't need to, he went to ground when he didn't need to, got mugged off. Um, and that was the end of it. And I think that, and you know, you talk about Diop, I, I actually, I, I don't know why, um, notwithstanding he, he, he can't jump. So we've got two centre backs at the moment, one with no pace and the other who can't jump. And you wonder why. It's been, you know, we've we've had um, one clean sheet in the last ten Premier League outings, mm. but I actually think that Diop is that category of centre back that if he's alongside Ogbonna or if he's alongside Zuma, who can walk him through the game, saying yeah. back, forward, cover here, go there, he's perfectly okay. It's when yeah. he's alongside someone like Dawson. Who, who is lacking himself and doesn't have that command of the centre of the defence that he gets found out. And yeah, yeah. Um, if, if I can just remind myself, I, I remember some years ago, um, I was doing some business with Les Ferdinand when Les was um, on the training staff at Spurs and Tottenham had a centre-back whose name I can't remember now, but he, he was originally from Portsmouth. They bought him from Portsmouth. And for one season, he was fantastic. And I, and I asked Les, what have you done to so improve this guy? And Les's response was, nothing. I said, oh, don't be so, self, don't, don't be so modest, so self-effacing about it. You've clearly done something. He's, he's performing on a different level. And he said, listen, I could do the same for you. Um, you know, just get you a bit fitter. And, you you know, you can play. So you, I could do the same for you. And I said, well, on what basis? And he said, simple. The instruction is, if Ledley King says go forward, you go forward. If Ledley, Ledley King says you go back, you go back. If Ledley King says squeeze, you squeeze. And you're just working, if you like, um, by remote control. And that's what Diop needs. But yeah. unfortunately, he doesn't get that from Dawson. And that is why we are conceding goals whereby... The opponent is constantly a massive threat on our goal in between the two of them. And yeah. you could never imagine Zuma and Ogbonna allowing that to happen. One no, of them would cut no. him off. I mean, I, I guess in a way, I mean, you know, Diop was fantastic in the Pellegrini season. And uh, he's been very good in the early part of this season in the other competitions in the Premier League. Maybe he's playing... Maybe he's better in games where we're sort of on the front foot. If if our tactic is to kind of, you know, soak it up a little bit more and hit them on the break, he's not a good soaker-upper because there's a mistake in him, you know. And, and you know, Ogbonna is a very, you know, is a very disciplined defender. You know, he's yeah. sort of, he, he is rock, so he is... He you know, you will not pass that. Oh, no, he's, he's, just, he's, he's a superb defender. And, and the, I think part of the problem is that, you know, of the, of the four of them, we, we've reached this, we've got this unlucky juncture that yeah. uh, third and fourth choice centre-backs are having to play together over a sustained yep. period of time. And it is partly a question of percentages. They are more prone to errors than the other two. They, there is an issue with, with Dawson's pace. There is definitely an issue with 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 Diop's sort of timing of challenge and physicality, I think, uh, and, and and aerial ability. Um, but you know, not to say that they're potentially a disaster if they have to come in and and and, and play. No. But uh, neither of them, I think, is comfortable really uh, on the left. I mean, I think the problem is we've only got really mm. Ogbonna, who's properly comfortable left-footed on the left yeah. side yeah. of a of a back two. So. Um, uh, whoever they and my god i really hope they do bring in a center back in january yeah, oh, yeah. um whoever they bring in ideally should be if not left footed then at least used to and comfortable playing on that left side uh of the central defense um which takes yeah. us conveniently with, yeah. with january the first being what on yeah. saturday um, yeah. what does anyone think we're going to do in this window 
Yeah. Uh, well, I think there's a difference between what I think we'll do as ever and what I hope we'll do. Um, I, I think we could probably, what, what's the wish list? I would say clearly centre back. And I think we need, uh, if we can get one with a loan to buy or permanently who we know is likely to be a first choice, if we mm. could do that in January, then I, I think that's what we should do. Failing that, we're going to have to get a good loan uh, uh, signing in, but we desperately need reinforcements in that area. And what it's about begin- left back? I think we need a left back. Um, whether or not, I think though we shouldn't panic by the left back, and I think that they, they should get their man. Um, and I'm, they must be planning to bring in uh, a re- long-term replacement for Cresswell, who has had a great season up, up until his injury. Um, so I think we could probably muddle through either with a loan or sort of with what we've got, um, uh, if necessary, uh, in the hope that Cresswell will be back sooner rather than later. I think we have to. We have to. Uh, this cannot be the f- sixth or God knows how many window in a row where we don't sign the striker. And I think that, mm. uh, for me, it's centre-back and striker are the absolute musts. And then other things are more like, are more kind of bonus-like. Well, I think in actual... I, listen, I, I, I couldn't agree more with all of that, but with one exception, I think it is an imperative that we do sign a left-back. And because we don't actually know, and the club have been very quiet about this, um, what the prognosis is for Kreza. Yeah. And um, mm. uh, first, it was only, only a couple of matches, and then there were rumours he would yeah. return last against Spurs, and of course yeah. he wasn't. He, it seems to me that he's nowhere near a return. And not. And, and I take it back, because I went to the Arsenal, and every time the ball got fed through to Saka, I just sat there thinking, yeah, God, yeah. we're in trouble. Oh, it was here. terrifying. I mean, yeah, yeah. he absolutely annihilated Masawaka. It was an embarrassment. Yeah. Yeah. It was a yeah. total embarrassment. And look, he's a very talented player, um, Saka. There's no question about it. But, and you know that he would have given Kreza a serious problem. But what Kreza would have done was in the first minute or two of that game, he would have kicked him into the stands. He'd taken the booking and said, right, mate. This yeah, is what it's going to yeah. be. Here we go. And I'm not having this for 90 minutes, having my blood twisted by yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but, and, and, and we can't expose ourselves down the left-hand side for the, a good chunk of what's left of this season um, to a talented player on our oppo- op- opposition's right. Because no, it's, it's, it's where all the aggravation... And we had it today. I mean, crikey, every time what Watford... Had, attacked it was down our right not yeah, they did yeah. much attacking i confess but down um, there right. yeah down there right yeah. our left and on on sunday you know um the loney that uh, southampton have from from chelsea um who complain of course wonderfully ironically about too many matches and wanting five substitutes when they've got mm-hmm. um they've got loanies around the bloody world yeah, um, yeah and if they got all their players back they wouldn't need to to strengthen, they, they would have a bench. It's, it's their bench is ridiculous as it is, but, you know, they've got the Feller at Palace, because we'll talk about them in a minute. Gallagher's yeah. one of theirs. Um, the Feller at Southampton is one of theirs. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you can just fill up with, with, with Chelsea, um, young Chelsea players, yeah. and you know you're going to get a good deal out of it. We'd better get on to the Palace game, because we'd better wrap this podcast up. Um, that's, you know, a few days away, Saturday, I think. Um what do we think is going to happen in that game? I mean, they're sort of they're going well at the moment, aren't they? I think they're a decent side, and I thought yeah. they 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 deservedly got in back into the game against us uh, in that two-all draw earlier in the season. Um, I, I, you know, I I I, I echo what um, what Simon said about Watford. They were wretched. Um, so the result today flattered us a little because we didn't play well defensively. Um, Ben Rama looks world class against Watford, but tends to tends to be less impressive against better opposition. Um, um, I I would take a draw at Palace, and I, I suspect that's probably probably what we'll get. I think I think um, he's going to have to kind of um, Noble did all right today, but uh, you know uh, with Rice will be back. That will make it. That will make a bit of a difference. I think to to the energy that you'll need because they're, they're, they're 
fit and physical. Um, yeah. Uh, I wonder, I, I'd like to see Vlasic get another go. I thought Vlasic against Southampton was our best player in the first half. I think he's looking... And was well. slightly unlucky to... to, to uh, I, I mean, I, the changes needed to happen and he was a bit of a sacrificial lamb. And yeah. I was really pleased that he came on and looked busy again today and he got yeah. his goal. Um, so I, I'm optimistic about him. I think he's he's looking really you know up for it and uh i i like him he's got the potential to be you know another bowen in the team he's got keep this going up. gents i'm just going to go and let the cat in and then <laughs> i'll be back with my prediction <laughs> um, um yeah, I, I, so listen I, jim i agree with you i think it's going to be a very tough game on saturday and frankly i would take the draw like you um of course there are different proposition at sell highest and, you know, when yes. that Holmesdale Road nonsense starts and they all start singing that We Follow song or whatever it is, um, yeah. they make a hell of a noise yeah. and they get behind their team and they are, they are very difficult opponents um, on their own patch. And I think we're going to be up against it on, on Saturday. And what we can't afford to do is make sloppy mistakes. We have to squeeze from the back. Um, and I suspect um, it'll be a draw, although I'll take one. Um, and I think that'll probably be the best we can get. Although, realistically, we're four points off Arsenal. We need a win. Yeah, um, do you need yeah. We, we yeah. need to win there um, because we haven't... What we've not done this season is we've not beaten the teams that we should have beaten, yeah. and we've been fantastic yeah. against the um, what are called the top six. You know, I, you're hard-pressed to think of when it was last that we'd beaten um, Liverpool, Chelsea and Tottenham at home in the same season. Yeah, yeah. Um, with sparkling performances um, and held Man City in, in the League Cup. I know it was only the League Cup, but no one else had beaten them in that competition no. by any mechanism for, what, five years. So it's quite a hell of an achievement. Um, yet we have failed, lamentably, to beat Brighton, which I thought was a shocking performance again. Yeah. And, and Southampton, and we've really struggled. And so Saturday is a very, very important game because whereas I, I think it's unlikely that we'll make top four, you know, if you just look at the table, I know that United and, and Tottenham have got games in hand, but we're four points behind Arsenal and we've yet to play them at home. This time, we actually, whenever that fixture is, we actually have to beat them for the first time in however long it is. We actually have to win that game. But we can't just let this drift and think, well, we can't make it now. We've got half a season to go. There are 19 games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I really and think... Two of them should... are against Norwich and one of them is against Watford. You know, there are points to be picked up, definitely. Yeah, and I, and I, think, and I think that however difficult it is on, on Saturday, that we've got to go out there with a the mentality to hold them. And they can be brittle um, and, and they can misfire. And, and look to win it and, and go back to or revert back to that which we were up until about six weeks ago, hopefully, which is hard to beat, nick a goal and, and just play it out. Yeah, and yeah. I'd be delighted, quite frankly, um, if we could nick it 1-0. Although, um, having said all of those things that I've said about the defence um, this evening, I suspect that we, we will not get through it without conceding. And that's always going to be the problem. Yeah, yeah, uh, which is why I think I'm going to say Crystal Palace uh, 1, West Ham 2. I think, though, you know, I, I, I sort of find it hard to imagine that we're not going to concede a goal, unfortunately. Um, just, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going for a, uh, an entertaining tool draw. Right. Well, I'm going I'm to, you leave me conveniently with one all, which I actually suspected, Jim, you were going to say, because you so often do. <laughs> and, I, and, and, and really annoyingly, you often prove bloody right when you make that prediction. Uh, uh, I'd just like to point out, I did predict a 2-1 defeat in the, Spur, in the Carabao Cup, the Spurs game. I got that bang on. Yeah, I thought we'd lose that, to be quite honest, but uh, I hoped we wouldn't. Uh, but I went there much more in hope rather than expectation. Whereas yeah, yeah. Um, six weeks ago, I'd have gone there with total expectation. Yeah, and yeah, it's a bit turnaround. Been a problem. God, I was, yeah. uh, I was right up against the away fans at that Spurs game. I mean, there was just a That's sort a of a, a cordon of security men separating them from me, and I've never uh, avoided eye contact so assiduously in my entire <laughs> life. 
Of course, it's, around me, there's blokes yelling and screaming at them, you know, like 10 feet away from them. Yeah. Constant yeah. screaming match. Yeah. I think we've been in that position before. Well, what I love is that, 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 that um, making the generalisation, that, that they all claim that um, for us, it's our cup final and they don't really care about us. Yeah, yeah. Um, that wasn't sort of the impression that I no. got sitting there, I must must confess, on Wednesday night. Um, yeah, yeah. Far from it, in actual fact. They were freaking delirious they that were. they knocked us out of that competition. They, were, they really absolutely. were. And you would have thought they had won the cup final. Um, but as Martin Samuel has said so often before, they they say it's our cup final. Well, at least we win it. Yeah, but yeah, we didn't absolutely. last Wednesday. No, no, no. Well, this has been Stop Hammer Time. Uh, it's been fun talking about these three games with Jim Grant, Cheerio, and Simon Pentel. Good evening, and I wish everyone a happy and healthy and prosperous New Year. Oh yeah, I was going to say that. Uh, come on, you irons! <laughs> if you want to advertise on or sponsor this show. Check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.